We are on Ksubis Yud Gimel Amabez 13b1 in the second column of the Arch Scroll Gemara. We began in our last class uh, a discussion of what would happen in a situation where there's a single girl who um, does something. It's definitely clear that there's two different cases in the Mishnah. It's unclear what the first case is, but definitely in the second case, it's a case where She's pregnant, and we know that she had sexual relations as a single girl. So what exactly is her status? Because um, it could be that if she violated a Torah prohibition, so then she cannot marry a Kohen moving forward. Um, so the question is, what is exactly her status? What is the first case of the Mishnah? So there's a dispute. According to one opinion, according to Ziiri, it's that she was even if she was just secluded alone, we have higher standards when it comes to marrying a Kohen. And so therefore, we're going to have a high level of concern that uh, she had sexual relations with somebody that she was not allowed to have with. And the second opinion, Rav Asi says that no, the first case is also where we know for sure there were sexual relations. It's just two separate cases in the Mishnah. One is discussing her status. The other one is discussing the child status. And we're going to get back to that discussion about her status versus the child status in a second. Uh, but what the Gemara is about to do right now is try to prove like Ziri against Rav Asi, to say that we really have two cases in the Mishnah. The first case is where they're secluded. The second case is where she's pregnant, and therefore we know that uh, she had sexual relations. And so that's really what the Gemara is trying to do right now. The Gemara will bring a b'risa, which really ends up being a support. The b'risa is, is, are these additional notes from the times of the Mishnah, which will end up being a support for Ziri, that there are these two different types of cases. And it will really be a, a strong question on Rav Asi. But the b'risa that they quote is a bit of a complicated b'risa. The back and forth is a bit complicated. Um, and the Gemara will try to help explain the back and forth, even though it doesn't really connect to, only only tangentially, does it really connect to the overall point. The overall point here is to really prove the eerie that there are two different cases. But we also have to have an understanding of the back and forth between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua. So, says the Gemara Mesave, they challenge Ravasi from the following Brisa. The Brisa says as follows, There's a certain testimony where she says, uh, the girl says that uh, she had sexual relations with, with <coughs> somebody who is uh, fit for her. And Rabbi Galil says we believe her. Rabbi Shua says we don't believe her. And the Brisa continues, we have the following conversation, the following back and forth, which... We'll read the words, but the Gemara will analyze it because it's very difficult to understand what exactly the back and forth was about. Uh, but we'll see this back and forth between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel. This is all found in the Brisa. Amar lehem Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua says to them, he says to them, He says, don't you agree with me with the following case? Why can't we compare the case of the Mishnah to the following case? And we'll see what case of the Mishnah is referring to. But to the case of the Mishnah, in its broadest of terms, that the case of the Mishnah to the following case, to the case of, let's say, she was taken into captivity. If she was taken into captivity, and we have witnesses that she was taken into captivity, and she says that, you know what? I am pure. Nobody had, these are all non-Jews took her into, took her into captivity. She says, I never had sexual relations at all. We actually, we do not believe her. Don't you agree with me that we don't believe her? Um, and we assume that she actually did because it was against her will. She was probably, most probably raped. 
uh, and raped by somebody uh, who she's not allowed to be with on a biblical level. Um, and so therefore we should be very concerned and therefore she cannot marry a Kohen. She wouldn't be able to marry a Kohen. Um, so don't we have to, uh, don't you agree with me in that case? And if you agree with me in that case, presumably this is what Rabbi Yeshua is saying, so then also in a case where we find out that uh, that uh, she had sexual relations, the same thing should be true. <coughs> Even though you'll, you'll tell me that there's a way to differentiate, we'll get there in the Gemara. Yes, there, there could be a way to differentiate. Amrullah, serving Amlial. And Rabbi Lazar say back to Rabbi Yeshua, Aval, you're right, you're right. In that case, in the case of where she's taken into captivity and it's against her will, and they most likely raped her, uh, yes, you are right. Then in that case, we have to be concerned. Uma Hefrashish ben Zulazu, Rabbi Yeshua says, then what's the difference between that case and our Mishnah? So Rabbi Yeshua says, that there's a big difference. Lazu yesh edim, lazu ein la edim. In that case, there are witnesses that she was taken into captivity. In this case, we do not have any witnesses that, uh, let's say that uh, she was secluded. We'll see that it has to do with the fact that she was secluded, which is actually going to be the big proof for Ziri, right? That means there's a case here where she's secluded. That only works with Ziri. Rav Asi says that there is no such case. So anyways, Amar Laham, Rabbi Yeshua says to them, wait a minute, slow down. Why are there no witnesses here? Of course she had sexual relations. There are witnesses here. She's pregnant. She's pregnant. So Amrulo, they say back to him, Rov They say back to him, say, well, the majority, in the case where she's taken into captivity, the majority of them are, um, are, are prutsim, are they're, they're unrestrained, and they'll have forbidden relationships, and they'll, they'll, uh, rape her. So in that case, we have, uh, a reason, we have a majority, we have a reason to assume that she was, that she was raped, and that you can't compare that to being secluded. So Amr Lahan Rabbi Shua says back to them, no, even in the case of seclusion, ain't apotropos Larayas. He says, literally, there is no guarantor against forbidden relations. There's no guarantor. If they're secluded, we have to be concerned. This is Rabbi Yeshua talking. Again, Rabbi Yeshua, as we had it already on, on the previous, uh, on the Gimel Manaf on 13a, um, Rabbi Yeshua is not saying this in, in every situation. and He's certainly not saying this uh, for a married woman, that if she's secluded with somebody else, then now it's, we view it as adultery. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying that when we have this higher level concern when it comes to Kohanim, that we have a higher higher level concern, and therefore there's now no guarantor against forbidden relations when they are secluded. Uh, but what exactly? We'll finish the brisa, but we have, first have to explain what exactly. What's the back and forth? It's it's very unclear what the back and forth is. Okay, we're on thirteen B two. Just continuing on on thirteen B two. On the first column, the end of the Brisa, which we're also going to analyze in a few minutes. But the Gemara says, when do we say all this, that we believe her? When it's discussing her, her status, her status, when it comes to the daughter, everybody agrees that the child is a shtuki. Now, what is a shtuki? Literally, it means shtuki. Check it, check it. We have to be quiet about, we have to be quiet about her. We, we, we don't want her to know about her father's, uh, if we don't know about her father's identity, we say when she, when she asks about it, her mother keeps her quiet, says, don't talk about it, let's not, let's not discuss it. Now, but a shtuki has a certain status. Now, what that status is, we'll get to in the Gemara in a few minutes. That's not for now, but that'll be in a few minutes. Again, the, this entire back and forth, and this line in the Gemara, and this Brisa, is about to be analyzed. So let's analyze it, and then, and then we'll get back to a lot of these, a lot of these cases. So, says the Gemara, my 
Ka'amar lehu, umay ka'mahadri lehu. What exactly is this back and forth? And this is what the Gemara, how the Gemara interprets the back and forth. Hachi ka'amrilay. Heishavtanu al-mubaris, ma'atishiven al-mubaris. So just a little bit of background here. Rabbi Yeshua says, how is our Mishnah any different than a case where she's taken into captivity, where you agree with me, you agree with me that if she's taken into captivity, even if she says that she's tahora, that she's fine, and that she can marry a Kohen, we don't believe her, we don't trust her when she's taken into captivity. How is that any different than the Mishnah? So Rabbi Gamaliel says back as follows, and this is how many of the commentators explain it. They say, I personally, I hold that even if we knew with certainty that she had sexual relations, i.e. she's pregnant, I still am not concerned. I'm not concerned because we'll see that she has a chazak of the status quo that she was with a kosher. Uh, and it's it, this is willingly. The, the case of where she's taken into captivity is where it's forced upon her. And I don't. I won't even follow, even if the majority are puzzled, the majority are, are would disqualify her. It doesn't make a difference because I know that she looks into the matter. She's she's going to pick who she wants to be with. So we, therefore we don't follow something that we discussed in the, in the end of the last recording. We're not going to follow the majority. Rabbi Gamliel has reason after reason to say why we believe her. But that's not his response back to Rabbi Shua. Rabbi Gamliel says, I understand according to your reasoning how you could equate a case of captivity to a case of where we know for sure that she had sexual relations. I can understand from your perspective, from you, your Rabbi Yeshua's perspective, why in both cases you should say that uh, she's disqualified, that she cannot marry a Kohen. But, what are you going to tell, tell me about the case where she's just secluded? All she is is secluded. If she for sure had sexual relations, I can equate the two. It's similar to being taken captive. But there's also the first case of the Mishnah, i.e. Ziri's case. The whole reason why we're mentioning this is to say this only fits with Ziri. The first case of the Mishnah is where she's only secluded. What are you going to say in that case? Amalehem. Rabbi Shua says back to them, It's it's the same thing. Rabbi Shua says, I don't know what your problem is. It's exactly the same thing as being taken into captivity. And so Rabbi Gamaliel says back, I'm low. No. No. There's a big difference. When she's taken into captivity, it's not just that she's secluded. But the majority of them will want to treat her improperly. And uh, there's a good chance of that happening. So Rabbi Yeshua says back also, Hanami. Came into stature and up trebles the rise. He says, "I'm of the opinion that at least when it comes to the status of of this person, this girl, when it comes to marrying a kohen, we have to have very high standards, and therefore we say that once she's secluded, we're going to say that you know there's a good chance that she had sexual relations. There's no guarantor for forbidden relations. She's in a, she's secluded with another man, and we have to be very concerned. Why are we bringing this entire brayso? Kitani mias tarti. The point is, is that." Rabbi Gamliel said back to Rabbi Yeshua, I understand your perspective with regards to the case of where she's pregnant, and we know for sure that she had sexual relations, but what are you going to tell me about the case where she's secluded? That is exactly like Raziri. There are no two cases according to Ravasi. Tiyufta to Ravasi, Tiyufta. This is actually a question on Ravasi. This Braisa is a very, very strong question on Ravasi. Uh, of how to put this Braisa and fit it with the Mishnah. And that's really the point why the Gemara mentions this Braisa. But once we mention the Braisa, now that we mention the Brisa, the Gemara asks a few questions and analyzes a few different parts of the Brisa. And so we'll continue with that and we'll conclude with the end of the, the, the analysis of this particular Brisa. The Gemara says, I understand, V'tepikle, Tahasam rov psalmetzah, V'hacha rov kshirmetzah. Rabbi Yeshua, why, why, I still have a problem with Rabbi Yeshua, asks the Gemara. I understand, in the ta- you can't compare the cases. In the case of captivity, 
the majority of the people that have taken her captive are forbidden to be with her. The majority are not Jewish. They're forbidden to be with her. And so therefore, yeah, she, she, should, she should be disqualified from marrying a Kohen. She's engaging against her will, obviously, but still, when it comes to marrying a Kohen, it doesn't make a difference. Um, uh, she's engaging in sexual relations with somebody that she's not allowed to be with. Over here in our case, it's even in a case where the majority are kosher, the majority of the town are allowed to be with her on a biblical level. So how could you compare the two? You cannot really make a, a, an equal comparison. That's what the Gemara asks according to Rabbi Shua. The Gemara answers as follows. Messiah Leila Rabbi Shua ben Levi. This supports Rabbi Shua ben Levi. Dumb Rabbi Shua ben Levi. L'divri ha-machshir ha-machshir ha-fil b'rov p'sulem. L'divri ha-postal Essentially, Rabbi Shua ben Levi says, we do not take into account the statistical majority. We don't care. In this context, we do not focus on statistics, which fits exactly uh, with the, the idea that we had in the, in the last class, the end of the last class, why it is that we don't follow the majority in this case, because you follow the majority when it's arbitrary. When it's arbitrary and you have 9 out of 10 tell you one way, so then you follow 9 out of 10. But if there's a specific reason why she would pick the 10th, so we don't care about majority. Majority doesn't play a role. And there's a specific reason here why she would why she would pick the 10th. Um, fine. And that's how that's how we have to explain according uh, that uh, we don't follow the majority in, in this case either. Okay, so that's, that's the end of that part of uh, the Gemara. The Gemara now elaborates on the Mishnah. We're now on 13b3 in the Art Scroll Gemara. The Gemara now, sort of, we're sort of switching our focus, and now we're discussing could the status of the mother impact the status of the child, an idea that we mentioned in the last class, um, that there's this dispute whether or not the status of the mother could impact the status of the child, and we explain because the reason for the... Ma- well, let, let's read the Gemara. The Gemara will explain it right here. Rabbi Yochanan is of the opinion that if the mother is kosher, could marry a Kohen, so could the daughter. And if she's possible, if she's disqualified, so the daughter is also disqualified. Rabbi Lazar argues and says, no, there's a change. No, just because the mother could be kosher, the mother could, could, be, uh, could be fit to marry a Kohen, but will still rule that the daughter is not. What's the logic? What's the logic? You would think that you could extend it to the daughter. Why couldn't you extend it to the daughter? When it comes to the mother, we're relying on her cheskas kashrus, on the status quo that she's doing the right thing. We know that she's somebody who does the right thing. She's a law-abiding Jew. She does the right thing. So therefore we could continue that cheskas kashrus. Uh, that uh, that uh, she she's somebody who's doing the right thing, but but that status that status quo that she has uh, that chazaka that she has cannot extend to the child. We don't extend it to the child. And as we pointed out in the last class, why would you say that you could extend it to the child? Why would you say that you can't extend it to the child? Perhaps it really gets to the root of a very important idea about why we follow chazaka to begin with. Why do we follow status quo? According to some, we follow status quo because it's actually a bearer. It's an explanation. It's telling us what happened. It's, 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 it's proof. If it's proof, that should also work for the child. But if it's not proof, it's an alternative idea that its status quo is just a way to go about a situation when you don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. You don't know which way to go. So this is, as a, as a last resort, this is what you should follow. So you can make the argument to say that this is what, you know, that this content of the status quo works, is, is, is being used for the mother, that should work for the mother, but it's not being used for the daughter. Uh, because the status the status quo, we can't apply 
one person's status quo uh, to another person's because it's not even it's not an explanation of the facts. It's just of how do how do uh, how do we uh, how, what do we do what do we do as in the end of the day when we're not sure of what to do. So the chazak only applies to the mother; it doesn't apply to the daughter. Fine. The Gemara now analyzes, and this is going to be the last point of the Gemara in analyzing this brisa that we quoted. It's going to analyze the end of this brisa, and we're, so therefore uh, we're going to quote it. Asave Rabbelazar Lerabiyochanan. Not only we're we going to quote it for that reason, but we're actually going to challenge Rabbiyochanan. Rabbiyochanan was the opinion, was of the opinion that whatever the status of the mother is, that's also the status of the child. But the end of the brisa disagrees, or seemingly disagrees. The end of the brisa said what? Bemed Rambam were embayed to see the Bryce itself said that we only trust her, the girl, when it comes to her own status. But when it comes to the daughter, she's a sh- the daughter would be a shtuki. My love shtuki apostle doesn't mean that she's a shtuki. The child is a shtuki, and therefore disqualified. When we, when we give the term shtuki, it means disqualified from marrying a kohen, and therefore it's against Rabbi Yochanan because this seems to be saying that. The status of the mother and the status of the child are different. Rabbi Yochanan responds back, No, no. We're on the second column of 13b3. No. Shtugi v'kosher means that he's also he's kosher to, to marry a Kohen. She's kosher to marry a Kohen. That they have the same status. So, Mika shtugi kosher. Do we ever have such a thing that the shtugi, we can you give a term shtugi to somebody, it means that they're kosher, that they can marry a Kohen? So, the says, In. Yes. Like the following case, Kedishmuel. The following case, which we actually had in Yevamos, for those of you who have been following since Yevamos, the Amr Shmuel, Shmuel says as follows, you have the following case. Asara Kohanim Omdim, We have ten, interesting case, you have ten Kohanim in a room, ten Jewish Kohanim in a room, one of them leaves and has sexual relations with a woman. We don't know which one of the ten, but we know that they're all Kohanim. So the, the uh, Shmuel says, Havlad Shtuki. The child is a Shtuki. What does it mean he's a Shtuki? My Shtuki. If it's shtuki in the sense that he can't get property from any of these ten people because we don't know who his father is. It's one of the ten, but we don't know who his father is, so he can't inherit from any of them. That's obvious. Obviously, he can't inherit from any of them. We don't know who the father is. What it means is that he, he can't even have a status of a Kohen with regards to eating the special food for the Kohanim, like Truma, or serving in the, in the base of Migdash, in the temple. There's a separate rule when it comes to Kohanim. Again, a Kohanim of higher standards. There's a separate rule when it comes to Kohanim. Moving on to 13.4. There's a special rule when it comes to Kohanim that in order for the child to be a Kohen in the sense of receiving the special food of Truma and in the sense of serving in the temple, in the base of Mikdash, they have to have a clear lineage. They have to know not just that their father was a Kohen, which was... That case where he knows that his father's a Kohen is one of the ten, but he has to know who his father is. He has to identify the person. This is my father. I have to know who the father is. And so therefore we use the term Shtuki, not to say that he's disqualified from Kuhuna. If it was a girl, she would be able to marry a Kohen. Not to say that they're disqualified from marrying a Kohen, but to say that if it's a son, so then that, that person cannot serve as much as a Kohen does, because um, he has to have he has to know and identify who the father is. Okay, so then so to in our case, our case when he uses the term shtuki, it doesn't mean that they're disqualified from marrying a Kohen, it means that you have to keep quiet, uh, but they're kosher, they're allowed to marry a Kohen, and so therefore that would fit with Rabbi Yochanan. Again, the, the whole point of this last, the second half is really to discuss, does the status of the mother impact the status of the child, or does it not impact the status of the child? And so we gave, it's a dispute, it's an argument, 
And we gave different reasons why you would say one way versus the other. Okay, this concludes this particular topic with this b'risa. And we will continue with Yadal Ma 14a next week in the next recording.